2: Power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers to reach their fullest potential. We love you, Marketed Choice. Uh, thanks, Marketed Choice.
1: You're awesome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, the meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is
2: Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. We're glad you joined us live today. We're honoring
1: our social distancing and each calling in for the show. Since we're a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope and inspiration for all of our food friends out there. I do have some food news today, Sarah, and it's from me. <laughs> I was going to talk about you too. Perfect. Let's talk about me for a minute. <laughs> okay, let's talk about you. So um, I have been kind of fighting this whole isolation. I'm so used to interacting with people and teaching classes and um, being around all my buddies and it's just driving me a little bonker. So I started a couple of new things, new projects for me to be able to connect with people. So. Every Thursday at two o'clock. Two PM. 2 p.m. I'm doing a cooking demonstration with our sauces and uh, farmer's market ingredients. So I just want to encourage people. I know everybody's cooking at home. And I was getting a lot of questions about different recipes I was posting and things. So I just decided to go live every Thursday and show people how to cook some of the stuff that I'm getting from the market. So everybody can watch that. It's just on Instagram live TV at 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So you can watch and cook along with me or cook later and you can watch the videos later too so if you can't tune in live um, you can watch it later but I would love to have you on there Sarah you watched my very first one this week I did you were I on was, there
2: I was heckling you <laughs> Sarah, <laughs> I, if you listen or watch her live make sure you have an idea of what to ask her to cook the next time yeah yeah. Yeah. I'll take suggestions.
1: It can be like a challenge. I'm I'm up for that. Sarah wants me to make enchiladas, which I'm not going to do this next time because I need to practice a little bit more. I want to have it um, turn out really great. And I'm going to mm. use some kind of special fall ingredient. So oh, I think I'm going to cool. do Brussels sprouts and salmon on Thursday. So
2: Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah.
1: The, the Brussels sprouts are all like kind of popping at the market. So it's cool. Cause you get to see people walking around with these big stocks of Brussels oh, that's sprouts, cool. which is really cool. And then, uh, the other project I started is, uh, I have a Pacific Northwest sauce makers group. I run that Instagram and, and started the group a couple of years ago. And so it's just all the sauce makers that I've found in the Pacific Northwest. And we kind of just support each other and promote each other. And so, um, I started an Instagram account so people can follow that. And I'm going to be what interviewing, is it? it's Pacific, it's uh, PNW, Pacific Northwest Sauce Makers. And so you can follow that. And um, I'm just going to be interviewing live on Mondays the different makers in the group. So today I did my first one with Nikki from Hot Mama Salsa. And we had some tech issues, but you know, it's like my first try. So, of course, there's going to be some problems. But I hope everybody watches that on Mondays. Um, at and what time? Follow that account. Today, I did it at 2.30 because it was just before this. So, let's stick with that. 2.30, 2.30. on Mondays. Okay. <laughs> so, that is my food news. Did
2: you have some? I have, have some. Let's I do. Hear it. Let's hear it. I went to Pop Pizza, which is uh, on Southeast Morrison. And it's a Detroit-style pizza, so you get the crunchy square crust. And they use three kinds of cheese, usually. And um, the famous cheese for Detroit-style pizzas, of course, is brick cheese from Wisconsin. And they have, right now, in my opinion, the most delicious gluten-free pizza crust in the city of Portland. Well that is a big compliment
1: from you one because you are always after a good gluten-free thing but also because you're like the cheese goddess so you know
2: <laughs> you <laughs> I know, know all know about really cheese but oh but you yeah are, but man, for sure. that was really good pizza so if you're trying to figure out where to get your pizza just go online and pre-order it and they're very punctual and professional
1: your pizza oh, I'm going to have to try it thanks for the recommendations yeah If you want us to help spread the word about any news, awards, events, or new products, um, please let us know. You can send us a message on Instagram and we will help spread the word to all of our listeners. Well, we are not alone today. We have some special guests who are just waiting for us to quit yammering and introduce Mm -hmm. them. (laughs) So we're joined today by Jennifer and Chelsea of Back to Broth. They are the makers of liquid gold broth to promote holistic health. So welcome ladies. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us.
3: Thank you guys so much.
1: For sure. We um want to be able to connect our listeners to you. So can you tell people how to find you on Instagram and any other social media platform you use?
3: Yeah definitely. You can find us on Instagram at back to broth and then online it's back to not com. Co. <laughs> and then we're also on Facebook, it's back to broth as well.
0: That's
1: Perfect. Great. So everybody can find you and we will link you up on our Instagram as well so that they can find you that way. Okay. So we um want to help tell your story. Can you start by just telling us what got you both into broth?
3: <laughs> That's the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> um I, well for me personally. Um I have an autoimmune condition, psoriasis. So among amongst all of, you know, of that and trying to figure that out, I found that food as medicine was a great way and broth was a a way for me to help heal my gut and I actually at the time was a vegan. So I was doing vegan broths and yeah, that that was my first introduction to broth.
2: Are you not a vegan anymore?
3: I am not. <laughs> I am not, and it was quite the journey. So yeah, Chelsea and I both met at NUNM, and I started as a vegan at our holistic nutrition program, getting our master's degree there, and um, came out of the program not a vegan.
2: Can you tell us what NUNM is? (laughs) Yeah, National University of
3: Natural Medicine here in Portland.
2: Yeah, it's down in the south part of Portland, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you both went to school there? Mm -hmm. Yep. Is that how you met? Yeah. Yeah, so
4: Jenny's from Oregon. I
1: came out here from the East
4: Coast. I grew up in New Jersey, and um, I think the way like Jenny and I both kind of felt like we just kind of landed at N U M and didn't really know why a little bit. Um, And I think that coming out of N U M, we both wanted to bring something tangible to our community. And definitely going to school for nutrition, you're kind of put on the path to do more um, like nutrition counseling and um while there's a lot of a lot of great nutritionists that come out of the program i think that we both wanted to just like do something that could create more access and that felt a little bit more tangible within like our local community and especially the impact on the food system um mm-hmm. yeah i think like if it wasn't for back to broth i was on the path of becoming a farmer and <laughs> jenny definitely we both you know, one truth that I think we both walked away with was, um, about regenerating the soil and the health of the soil and really wanting to have an impact on, on that. So, yeah. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: We've had some other, um, past guests who have met in school as well. And I think that, um, it definitely isn't a traditional path. I mean, unless you're going to business school and you want to like start your own business, which Usually would be more of like a tech company, but not a lot of people come right out of schools and start by selling a product. So it's a pretty interesting journey that you have both chosen. Yeah. But we're glad that you're here and part of the food world. I think it's super cool. And I realized. Well, I was, you know, we we look up our guests, and I I hadn't I haven't met either one of you before, and which is weird because I usually pride myself on knowing every vendor at the Portland Farmers Market. Mm -hmm. But I realized that we just our times don't overlap. So I think the very first the only time we're ever going to be at the market. The same time is this Saturday because you guys are starting yeah. right at the PSU, and yeah. it's my last market of the season, <laughs> so it's our one chance to meet. So I'm going <laughs> to come over and meet you, ladies, in real life on on Saturday at the market. <laughs> yeah. Have you? um, Do you do other farmers markets other than the PSU one? Let's tell people where to find you. Yeah,
4: so we're at Montevilla, um, and they're doing winter market every uh, second and fourth uh, Sunday. Um, and then we'll be at PSU basically rotating every other weekend, PSU and Montevilla this winter.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we also do online orders and, um, home delivery contact lists, um, for the COVID times, we actually offered delivery before the whole pandemic. So it was actually a great transition for us to be able to offer that and, and have that as an option as well on our website.
1: Yeah. That's nice. You didn't have to come up with a whole new system. You already had it in place. Right. (laughs) You mentioned the Montevilla Farmer's Market, and you guys are about to get a new uh, Farmer's Market Manager who's coming from the PSU Farmer's Market, and she is awesome. So I'm glad that you get to have a cool manager. I always talk about, um, I do a Farmer's Market Conference in California every year in San Diego. It's called Intense or Farmer's Market Pros. They've changed the names a couple of times, but it's a super cool conference. But we talk about all the time there, how important your farmer's market managers are. And it's not something that everybody thinks about, like as a shopper, you don't really think about it, but as a vendor, it's super important to have a good... Market manager that supports vendors and cares about you. And so you guys are about to get a really great one.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, she just started, I think two weeks ago was her first week. And we are super stoked to have her because, yeah, she was definitely one of the ones that stood out to us at PSU. So.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: So talk to us about the magic in slowness and patience. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. need to learn about slow foods movement and patience.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the first thing that really elicits the magic of slowness for us is just the process of making broth itself. It, we, we simmer it for about 13 hours. We're at the kitchen overnight, essentially at our commissary kitchen. And you can't speed that process up. Uh, I, we're not using Instapots. So um, we're doing it the good old fashioned way. And we really appreciate the patience that it has taught us. We have been humbled by the broth so many times. <laughs> we, we we think there's this such thing as broth gods out there and they humble us all of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: What do you mean?
3: Oh, well, you know, just this wanting this, the slowness aspect of it. For example, if there's any time that I'm trying to move too quickly. I remember once I was delivering to a woman and I just wasn't fully present and fully in, you know, in the situation. I was kind of going a little bit too fast and I dropped a jar and it just shattered everywhere on the driveway. Um, It just in moments like that where I'm remembering what we're offering and what we're delivering in such, you know, and it, it it's a food it's also a vehicle for more mindfulness and more um just more intention um yeah
4: i think that there's definitely moments like because there's so many moving parts with running a business like it can feel like we're hustling a lot of the times but like one of our core principles is to slow down so like i think that's what we mean when like we, we kind of go off track of that and like there's a lot uh, it can be a little bit chaotic sometimes to just like manage all the things of re- operating a, a business, especially this year. And yeah, oftentimes it just feels like the broth gods kind of
1: <laughs> <Yeah.
4: laughs> remind us to slow down. I
1: yeah. think it's a good time for all, for, for everyone, not just makers. But um, this happens for me a lot when when things change is that I get really... Manic, where I want to do a lot of things because I can't control everything else. So I'm like, I'm gonna just do a million things, and everything's gonna be fine. And I, what I really should be doing a lot of the time is slowing things down and just living within the moment. You know, I used to be a social worker, so I would teach all these these things to people, but I have a very hard time doing it for myself. <laughs> So even when I was reading about the two about your philosophy and taking things slow and being mindful, as I'm like, you know, typing at midnight for like my <laughs> three shows I'm doing the next day, I'm like, yeah, I I totally need to do that. I'm digging this. These ladies like have like great things to say, but I didn't do it. I mean, I just <laughs> I continued on my crazy path. But do you either of you have advice for someone like me to <laughs> Or Jay. mail it out a little bit, or Sarah. anybody
2: named we... Sarah, <laughs>
1: what can we do to be more mindful and present in this current chaotic time?
3: Yeah. Um, Great question. I, I wish I wish it was a one size fits all, and that's <laughs> something that we're figuring out. Um, but as far as just advice, I know right now, for me personally, with just you know building this business and other work and trying to do all the things like you're saying, stir all the pots.' Like we like to do um, is that having moments of stillness every day is really important for me, um even if that means just five minutes of nothing. Um and one thing with uh, one of my favorite stories actually was at the market and we had a customer um talk about them buying the the broth the week before and they said they'd given it to their aunt and she was saying how her aunt was her aunt, I said something along the lines, I was just going to drink it right away. But then on the jar, it told me to sip slow. So <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and it was, In that moment, you know, the simplicity of, of actually just, you know, it's one thing to want to do something and it's another thing to do it. And it was, that was a beautiful moment when I got to see that sometimes we just need that reminder um, in front of
2: us. And people need instructions too. Yeah, that yeah, is true. <laughs>
4: And I think just, yeah, I think that broth itself for us, it it has come to kind of represent like that vessel and that tangible thing for someone to like be able to heat up a cup of broth and like sit with that and have that moment of stillness. It's kind of can help facilitate something like that.
2: Tell us about the broth lifestyle. So people mm-hmm. <laughs> use broth to make soup and all that stuff, but this is a lifestyle where you're actually – stopping down and drinking broth as a food. What is that? Tell us what that means and how that can help you feel better.
3: Yeah,
4: I would say as a food. And also we like to think of it as kind of like a tea. Sometimes we've called it magic meat tea. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, I think there's definitely a lifestyle to it. Um And there's definitely like a broth family that's built, that's kind of building around, around our company, which is really awesome. But I mean, I think part of it is just kind of like little lifestyle habits and, you know, I don't even drink as much broth as like I probably could (laughs) Um, because still like things get away from me, but, and, and life just moves fast. But yeah, I think it's, it's just one of those, daily habits to integrate and can be really good as far as like replacing some type of tea or coffee or something like that and um to bulk it up I, I definitely can like add noodles or other veggies or like to just sip it with bread sometimes and
3: or ghee Frothen it with the great, the ghee really good broth and ghee together yes super good um yeah I just wanted to add to the the, the aspect of how we see it almost as a tea and when we say that we really appreciate the the intention and the ritual around tea and how people have tea ceremonies which we have offered and we have done a handful of broth ceremonies that Chelsea and I both have created a a, a sipping you know a sipping pouring ritual and while we're in circle with everybody and Offering this to our community pre-COVID times, obviously, it was a lot easier. We tried to do some virtual and it just didn't really (laughs) work out as great as we wanted. It's just something in person and community where you can actually physically feel what it's like to slow down, to smell your broth or whatever food, to say a blessing, um, just to create a moment of space and grace um, before actually consuming the broth and the nourishment.
2: Okay. So tell us what, actually tell us, what are the flavors of the broth? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, right
4: now we have our chicken and herb broth, which is our, our original, um, one that we have had since the beginning. Um, and that is kind of like a, yeah, that, that one is pretty dense with herbs, rosemary and thyme and ginger. It also has nettles in there. Um, and we also have a vegan broth, <clears throat> our seaweed and shroom, uh, which has three three different types of mushrooms, um, some kombu seaweed, some other medicinal herbs in there as well. Um, and then we, we have a rotating seasonal, which we started this summer. So this summer we did a, a sweet roasted pork pozole broth, mm-hmm. which was really awesome. Um, we, did, we used uh, just, uh, seasonal raspberries. Um, and then now this fall, we're doing a seasonal turkey broth um with squash and apples and some other good stuff in there. So, yeah,
2: so are you getting your meat from local farms?
4: Yeah, so that our meat is definitely always local. We try to do everything as local as possible, but sometimes we end up you know sourcing from natural grocers or something like that. But, um, the meat is definitely always local. We, we primarily work with Marion acres, which is a really great family owned farm out in Hillsborough area. Um, and they do poultry and chicken and Turkey. Um, and then this summer we worked with campfire farms, um, and they did the pork for us and yeah, we'll we'll probably be doing a beef broth this winter. So
3: so we're still on the lookout for um, a seaweed Pacific Northwest harvested seaweed
4: because
3: mm-hmm. we were able to get some of our mushrooms from mindful mushrooms. Riley, um, he gives us amazing shiitake mushrooms, but we really want to. So if anyone listening, mm-hmm.
2: if anybody knows someone who. Harvests so, seaweed. <laughs> yeah. I mean the most beautiful seaweeds coming out of Alaska. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've talked to blue evolution at all, but they are. Farming and harvesting beautiful, mm, okay, Alaskan seaweeds, and also from down in Mexico, one of all places. Mm. But we aren't really doing too much harvesting off the Oregon coast yet. We do have people growing seaweed in on land, mm. and <clears throat> there's a company called Oregon Dulse, mm. and they're growing a dulse seaweed here in Oregon. Ooh. And Sarah uses it in one of her sauces. Yeah,
1: I, cool. I get seaweed from them. Mm-hmm. Um, the trick is that I, well, for me, my product's a little bit different, so I dehydrate it. But for you, it would probably be, you could probably use it fresh. Get it, fresh. But, but yeah, the, the Dulce seaweed is is beautiful. Um, I mm-hmm. would totally recommend it. And that's from um, Chuck at Dulce. Dulce. Yeah, Oregon Dulce. So you can find him. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, too, there's, um, if you're, when you're doing the beef. Um, Carmen Ranch.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. Carmen Ranch or, or um, Carmen. Pine, Pine Mountain does the PSU market. And they um, are out of Bend. And they have really great, um, you know, all grass-fed um, yeah. cattle. And so, they would
2: probably be a good one. You could talk yeah. to them on Saturday. There, and right um, across from our booth. TMK Creamery, they grow beef down in Klamath Falls. Ooh. Um, and so they have beautiful animals as well. Yeah. If you're ever they're in Canby, any
1: they're kind of, um, sourcing, you should always ask Sarah, just send her an email because she, that's <laughs> what I do whenever I'm trying to find, I mean, it's her job to know what's going on in Oregon and what people are producing. And so she always has connects me to great people. So if you ladies Try. get stuck,
2: just send Sarah a message, <laughs> she'll help you out. We have, Thank um, A shiitake mushroom farm, too, down towards Salem. I don't know if you've talked to them. I think it's called Top Hat Mushroom.
4: Mm, Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you for those resources.
1: Mm. We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the process of making broth. So we'll be right back.
0: Mm. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities and new experiences because food brings people together.
2: So right now I wish I was drinking some of that chicken broth. Can you tell us how you make it? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
4: so go for it, Jenny.
3: Um, (laughs) Okay. So, well, that chicken broth, like Chelsea said, it was our first broth we made. And we only sold that for six months. We wanted to get it down. And we just thought we might as well just focus on one product. And it was really nice. People wanted to know what to buy. So we only have one thing. <laughs> and that was our chicken and broth- our chicken and herb. Um, so essentially, the book, Nourishing Traditions, um, by Sally Fallon, I believe, Mm-hmm. has been our broth bible in a lot of ways and she that was kind of our template for how to actually create our recipe um the recipe itself was half um structured from that and also just half intuitive how we felt certain ingredients would go into there um yeah Chelsea, if you want to go into that part of it
4: yeah I mean it definitely was a lot of experimenting, just the process in general. Um, I feel like we've gotten more efficient with or with like streamlining that process. Like Jenny said, it was like, yeah, six to eight months of just one recipe for a while. Um, <clears throat> and even at first, there was like you could definitely tell. I feel like once we got a recipe down, it was like, okay, this is this is it. And it's funny because like, <clears throat> you know, with broth, it's inherently an intuitive, an intuitive thing to, to create. And I think, you know, there's that slight difference with some other, <clears throat> with some other recipes and some other food products that might be a little bit more like by the books, like you need exactly this ingredient each time. And, you know, traditionally with broth, it was people's food scraps and what, whatever they had left over. So we definitely, definitely experimenting with that is, is a little bit of a, that's, you know that's what we mean by the intuitive art of it.
2: So, do you just throw the chickens in a pot and dump some water on it, or what do you do? Come on, um, <laughs> <laughs> tell us <laughs>
4: <laughs> the secrets. Um, yeah, we definitely we 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 use chicken heads, we use chicken feet, and we use chicken necks, and we just we top that with water in the pot and bring that to a simmer with some vinegar and some bay leaves and. And then we roast some carcasses um, with some olive oil and and salt, and um, that that definitely enhances the, the chicken flavor. Um, so then we get that simmering for probably like nine hours until we eight hours or so, and then we add in the rest of the the veggies and we add some of the aromatics at the end.
1: And you guys talk about, and it's on you know your site that you it's a thirteen hour process, which is really long it's probably one of I mean broth is probably one of the longest you know processes that there are for free food production so that's why it's a really nice thing to have you do all the work for us (laughs) so thank you (laughs) for that first of all (laughs) because I always was taught you know just you know I'm not like a trained chef or anything but whenever um I was making stock or broth. We, I was just told 4 hours was the amount mm-hmm. of time to for something to be considered a mm-hmm. a broth. But it definitely you can tell a difference when something is cooked so much longer because then, you know, when it's cool it's very um I don't know if gelatinous is the right <laughs> word. I don't want that to be unappealing, but it's to me it's beautiful. You know, it like becomes this solid creation which is really cool and does that just come from the time that it's simmered
4: yeah yeah essentially um I would say probably you want to be making broth for at least 10 to 12 hours to really extract all of that collagen Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what's creating that that solid gelatinous jiggle
3: (laughs) I love that jiggle yeah
1: and then what's the benefit of that why is that good for us to consume
4: um so yeah collagen um just the greek origin of collagen alone is what was it jenny it's like the, um, the uh, glue it's
3: kala kala so, yeah i mean glue, glue.
4: the glue that like holds things together so i like to think of it that way it's just like the effects on the connective tissue in the body um really restorative to to that so a lot of people with like musculoskeletal issues are really benefiting from from broth, um, it's also really restorative to the gut lining. Um, so people with like leaky gut issues or just any type of gut issues really can can really benefit from the the nourishment of mm-hmm. broth to the gut. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the collagen because collagen is is essentially just like super rich in amino acids, and um, so we're getting a lot of that through the broth.
2: You do with everything that was left after the broth is made. So you strain it, and then you have some leftover stuff. What do you do with that? We just
3: compost that. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that—that's your kind of circle,
1: circle of life of giving back to the earth, right? So you're you're putting these, taking everything that you need out of the stuff that you're buying, but then you're giving back to the earth.
0: Right,
3: right, and and the, the parts that we're getting are usually the parts that are hard for farmers to get rid of, or they often just discard. And so the fact that we can kind of upcycle this this the parts, you know, the heads and the feet and things like that, um, really add to that that being able to um, what's that word, Chelsea? I'm looking for. It's uh, something about the environment.
2: <laughs> Sustainable
3: sustainable was another it's cycle cycle circle economy
4: the circular economy
3: circular economy there you go yes um and that's something we're really passionate about and how we can keep using things like that to just reinvigorate the the food systems
1: cool i like that we um have had some farmers on the show that talk about that that kind of connection and, and how that's important to farming. Do you give that to farmers or do you have a specific place it goes or
4: as far as our compost?
1: Yeah <laughs>
4: okay <laughs> um, Well right at the at the mercado, which is where we work. they have a composting system there. Um, yeah. so that's what we've been using. Um, yeah, we have considered working with one farmer. Uh, to have him like pick up our compost and using it more directly so maybe at some point
3: those hours are a little tough though because we usually end at like 5 (laughs) a.m so (laughs) so you
1: ladies are working out of the um mercado which is on just so our listeners foster and 72nd Mm -hmm. foster and 72nd there's um wonderful Food that comes out of the carts there, but also there's a lot of makers that use the kitchen. So, yes. as a listener, if you're looking for a communal kitchen space, that I don't know if they have openings, but it's a good place to watch because sometimes they do. Um, uh-huh. But also, just as a consumer, it's a great place to go eat. It's some yes. of my favorite food comes out of those carts, so uh-huh. everyone should go support them for sure. How yeah. long have you been working out of the Mercado?
3: About a year, a year? Yeah, a year. I think. Great.
1: Awesome. Do you have you, um, what do you like about working in a communal kitchen?
3: The support. (laughs) I mean, I think for Chelsea and I, that we don't have much commercial kitchen experience. Um, I did have an internship with that gave me a little bit of piece of that before I started this, but her and I aren't from that world. And there's a, one of my most favorite experiences there was that there's a tilt skill there, which for those who don't know, um, you can make a lot of soup or broth or whatever in this tilt skillet and it's um, motorized. So it just tilts on its own. You don't have to use your muscles to tilt the pot over. And her and I weren't familiar with this. And one late night that like the witching hour, someone from the um, main area came in and he looked at the operations. He saw our pots and he goes, you know, that's a tilt skillet right there. And I looked at it and I went, What is that? (laughs) And in in two seconds, our production basically um, doubled because her and I just didn't know what it was.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Uh, was Like Like six months or so from Mercado
3: to start using that.
2: (laughs) Who who finally told you? Was it Chris Bailey?
3: No, it wasn't. It was the man who owns the um, the little market. Oh. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I had that happen before when I shared a kitchen as well. And this is like one of the benefits of sharing a kitchen with people is that someone will walk in and see what you're doing and be like, you know, (laughs) there's a better way to do that. I had that happen with our trays and how we were putting it in the oven because we have a sauce that it's our barbecue sauce. We cook it for five hours. It reduces by half. Mm. But I was always just putting one tray in the oven because I've was putting it long ways. And I was like, that's all that fits in that," but I can only do one tray at a time. And then um, one of the other guys who worked for Masala Pop came in and he was like, you know, those trays are made to go like this way into the oven. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you just doubled my production. (laughs) And thank you for the rest of my life. Because now I do two trays every time. But I was doing it for like three years with just one tray. (laughs) because I had never thought to put it in long ways because I had never used a commercial oven. You know, I'd only used the oven in my house. And I had gone from doing it in my home to doing it at this kitchen. So of course, I didn't know that they were, the oven was long enough to fit the trays on. (laughs) So that's the wonderful part about sharing with a bunch of people is that they can really help you.
3: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Bless them. There are are guardian angels in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. But then, you know, the
1: downside sometimes of working in the kitchen is hours. So it sounds like you are there, you kind of have baker's hours, right? Yeah. Uh, You have to go in after, you go in when everyone else is sleeping.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know... As far as, you know, the other makers listening to this and anyone who's thinking about starting a business that's going to take a lot of hours in the kitchen. Um, you know, that was one thing that we looked out for when we were looking for a commissary kitchen was the rate and the Mercado was has a very um, affordable rate and overnight was cheaper. So we, we were like, OK, well, we need to do this overnight then. Um, and then also, you know, that 12 to 13 hours half of it what the reasoning for that was half of it was because the hours in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, if, if we could go longer, you know, a lot of broths um, can go for 24 to 72 hours. Um, but that was kind of our sweet spot in the kitchen for the cost and um, also just it also still tasted great and everything. So there was a little few, there's a few factors playing with that. And
1: for people to keep in mind when, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking about renting a kitchen, you know, you usually pay by the hour. So to have a product like yours, it is more expensive for you to make it because you're paying to be in that kitchen space. So as, um, you know, for the customers who are listening out there, just keep that in mind. You know, Sarah always does a great job of telling people to, Charge what they're worth. So for broth, um, I hope that you ladies have figured that time into the kitchen into your costing because it is expensive for you to have that time in the kitchen because it's so. I have
2: a question about your personalized broths. Mm -hmm. So I can come to you and you can talk to me about my diet and my health, and then you can design a broth just for me. And what does that mean? Like, how do I do that? How do I get in touch with you? And what will happen to me?
3: (laughs) Okay. The way you said it is a great idea. Yeah, we haven't really
4: thought of it exactly like that or verbalized it like that, but I really like the way that sounded.
2: Um, <laughs> it says it right here. We create custom broths based on your needs. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the way you worded it just sounded a
3: lot nicer because we've just experienced um, a few people wanting a broth without the the ginger. And so we would make a whole custom one. Um, but that does go into more of like our, our background in nu- nutrition. And like, eventually we do want to be more personalized and offer, you know, nutrition counseling, if that's, you know, if that's on our path or food relationship coaching. Um, but yeah, we definitely have had a few customers who can't have alliums, onions or garlic. That's why we created, we do have a basics chicken, which ha- has no onions or garlic um, but we are open to making custom bashes for people that's like a minimum I think of eight quarts. Yeah
2: ten. It says ten that's on your right. website. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, that's the know. thing about websites. you put them up and then you kind of forget about them. so you gotta yeah. check them once in a while. <laughs> You're like, you gotta go back and read what you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. what did I say? Yeah.
4: Um, but we could do that for sure I think most of the time and yeah like Jenny said it's been people being like oh can you add turmeric or take out the garlic so it's been more like that but
1: well I think it gives you both the opportunity to use you know your background and and your degrees and so it does seem like a really great you know path to get to not that you know you need another thing to do, but I do think that <laughs> that it would be really beneficial to the community, especially people, you know, cause I, I think that most people aren't going to make their own bone broth the way that you ladies are doing it, you know? So I think that it, the, the more you can cater that to certain people, I think, I think people will take full advantage of it. So I do think it's a good idea.
3: I do too. And, yeah, and so, that's, yeah, that's on our horizon for sure. Yeah, we do even uh, school. Um, so we want people to know.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> we have a degree, <laughs> but yeah.
2: Do you also do a uh, broth bar? Well, I guess you could do it for smaller groups. Um, Can you tell us what that's
4: like? We started offering that like right before COVID hit, so um that's not something that has really taken off. But just as something that that's more for smaller groups. But yeah, it would be more um along the lines of like a ramen
2: bar kind of uh, I think you need to charge $20 a person because people are going <laughs> to think for 10 bucks you're not going to get very much so you got to double your price per person and you'll probably sell more.
3: But, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. And I like that idea. That's a wonderful idea for a you know, a family gathering or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you could bring all the things you, you could uh, partner with Umi Organics. Yes, she love, makes those really, yes, yeah.
3: Love those noodles. Mm-hmm. That's a
2: great idea. I like that idea. Yeah. We have a lot of ideas. <laughs> yeah. You just have to try <laughs> try all the- them all and see what one works and then you just mm-hmm. discard the others.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to do it. Do either of you have any advice for uh, food entrepreneurs out there?
2: mm.
3: It's like having a child, but I've never had a child, but I think it might be like having a baby.
2: Yeah. Easily as painful. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely keep you up at night. Yeah. And you're up at night. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're up at night.
3: Um, And it just, you know, growing a business is difficult. And I think one thing Chelsea and I have experienced during this pandemic is that obviously trying to operate a business during a pandemic is difficult and then the other layer of it's our first year so we have just kind of entered this space you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed coming in wanting to be super ambitious and then the pandemic hits and then we're realizing we kind of have to dial it back a little bit um so yeah my my advice would just to to be, to be ambitious, but, and also at the same time to recognize where you're at at that current moment and what you're able to handle, because that's been a big conversation for both of us is like, how much can we take on? Like, how ambitious do we want to be? How, how much do we want to work and not get paid? You know, stuff Mm -hmm. like that.
4: (laughs) Especially if you're juggling other things too, which Jenny and I both have been doing this year. So, um,
1: yeah. I was just talking to um, Nikki, who is another female maker, but I think that if we can all get through this year, it's really showing us that we can do anything. And I think that when people that go into business, and especially women who start businesses, we do it with this passion and our whole hearts and souls, and we put everything into it. And it is much like having a child, (laughs) um it's just as demanding uh it it takes a lot but especially when things are hard which this will be the hardest year probably for anyone who owns any kind of business Mm. but I think if we can make it through it everything's going to seem so easy after this (laughs) (laughs) especially it being your first year this is not normal and I think that it will be challenging but I think if you can make it through yeah
3: we had some silver linings too and a lot of blessings as far as being in the spot we are on our journey with back to broth is that we didn't have we don't have a brick and mortar so the overhead costs um we didn't have to worry about that during this time and the farmers markets were deemed essential so those were some blessings for us that we knew that we're in this very unique spa- spot um where we can keep operating um at our means and and still if grow if even if it's by a, an inch <laughs> month we're still here
1: yeah I like that. Uh, Um, We want the two be able to send customers to you directly, to buy from you directly. So um, where, what's the best way for them to do that?
3: I would go to, um, if they're in the Portland area, um, we delivered within, if you go to our website, backtobroth.co, you'll see our delivery limits, but we deliver within the PDX area. And then we also do some of the suburbs. So go check that out, um, a little extra um, uh, delivery fee. Um, you can order online. Our cutoff for weekly orders is on Friday at midnight and we deliver every Sunday between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Um, and then if you want to come see us in person um, or one of our team mem- team members, we're at the Montevilla Market on Sunday and then the PSU on Saturday. And those are those dates are the specific dates are online.
1: All right, ladies. Well, we're so glad that you joined us today. It was yes, wonderful to hear about the beautiful broth that you make. And I am going to come get some on Saturday and see you in real life at the market. <laughs> and I'm super excited about that. Thanks for being on the show today.
3: Awesome. Thank, thank
2: you. you so much nice to you meet you. Thank, you. thank you. For over 40 years, Market of Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we're proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores, and the majority of the purchases support our local, robust, regional food system. To find the Market of Choice New Year's please visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local, so you can too. We record Masoni and Marshall live every week. Tune in Fridays
1: at 9am at startupradionetwork.com. If you missed the live show, find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show or have ideas for us, send us a message on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. Until next week, we'll be back. Thanks, everybody.
0: Bye for now. Bye. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production, Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together.